following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Good evening. My name, my name is Jesse Semino, if you don't know. Um, I am a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and recently my family and I have been called to serve the Lord in the mission field in Dominican Republic full-time. And so um, I want to share July 9th, two, two, uh, July, July 9th 2006, um, 17 years ago today, the Lord saved my soul. Amen. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I was asked to give um, the first message to a church um, that I would give before leaving um, and serving full-time um, 17 years later to the day. And I promise, I, me and Brother Tracy did not collaborate. We didn't. He, he called me and asked me, and I just giggled on the phone because I knew um, that was my birthday, and um, I was going to be able to, to do that. And so um, I'm here with my family, my wife, Brittany, my son, Caleb, my daughters, Abigail and Johnny, and um, I have one son who's not here. He's going to be a senior in high school next year, and uh, he was being lazy in his room, and so I didn't drag him up here, um, but uh, he, he wants to serve our country in the Marine Corps next year, and so he won't be coming with us to the Dominican Republic, but he, he is going to serve our country. You know? Couldn't be more proud as a father, you know, couldn't be more proud. And so um, let me open us in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for giving me the opportunity um, to come and speak with family, God, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Lord, I just pray that um, you would be glorified tonight. Um, And Lord, that someone may hear um, the story of a changed life. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message is uh, A Road Less Traveled, but... um, I use that title because I think sometimes uh, we we scared um, we're scared to go out and share what God's done in our life, you know. And I think we overcomplicate it. Miss Sylvia had shared some scripture while she was doing this Acts one eight, and that's a scripture I have down here that I'm going to get into later. And, and again, I didn't speak to anyone about this, and it's just nice to watch how God has been sovereign through this whole thing um, to set this up. Even the each song we sung. Is, is basically the road of what I have laid out in my notes. And so glory be to God and, and thank, thank him for being sovereign and doing for us what sometimes uh, we couldn't do for ourselves. So the scripture I'm going to be sharing tonight um, is Galatians 2.20. If you want to turn to that scripture. Um, It's a verse that I memorized, committed to memory and I stored it in my heart because uh, it is a story um, and a good reminder to me of why. It is my why, you know. So Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And so... Um, I was raised in church, 
since I was born. My mother took me to church. And um, I believe she stood on that verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not turn from it. And as a testament in my testimony to what happens later, my father came to know the Lord when I was about 10, and in his testimony is is similar to mine when it comes towards the church praying and my mother praying that God would would bring us to um, salvation, you know. Um, I participated in student ministry. I went to everything that the youth did, every youth camp, every VBS growing up. But I can say when I was a young, um, a youngster, I did those things, but I was doing those things um, to give an outside appearance of, of what I wanted people to believe. But inside, inside, I was seeking destruction. I was being mischief. I was, I was going anywhere I wasn't supposed to go. But I was living that life on the outside, trying to make everyone believe that um, I, was, I was sneaky, you know. I began to experiment with different drugs at a very young age. Um, I was just out of fifth grade. And all these sensations to fill a void, to feel different, to be something I was not created to be. Just seeking and desiring the world. I left my parents' house at 18 after graduating high school, and I moved in with some friends. I quit, attending church, I had quit attending church, and by that time, I was a full-fledged drug addict, consuming anything that I could get my hands on and just being destructive. It wasn't a secret anymore. I needed help. And the church embraced my mother and began to pray extensively for me. I always, I'll say I always kept a job after school, functioning while I was in my addiction, and again, Trying to live on the outside like I was something good, but on the inside, I was trying to fill some void or or be, again, something I was not created to be. Fast forward seven years. I was 23, and I was living um, in a house with some friends, and I had a girlfriend at the time. And I came home. She was just as sick as I was when it comes to drugs and alcohol. And I came home and she said those magical words, I'm pregnant. I was happy, believe it or not, because again, I think I was trying to feel something that I didn't know how to feel. You know, I, I raised in a good family. My dad took care of me. My mother brought me to church. They, they showed me what it meant to live in a, um, in a home, a structured home. And I knew I always wanted that, but... That pool, that devil, he was working hard, you know. I told my parents that my girlfriend was pregnant, and to say the least, they were not excited as I thought they would be, <laughs> you know. But uh, I'll never forget where we were. We was in my mom's office when I told her that, and, you know, and she just kind of looked at me with that face like, and she was like, your sister is pregnant too, <laughs> you know. And so... Um, my kid, my oldest son and my nieces are, are one month apart, you know, but um, at this time, Emmanuel Baptist Church had hired a new young pastor, and from listening to my mother and father and other church members pray for me every week, I believe I became a person of interest to him, you know, hearing the stories of what was going on and seeing a church family on their knees every Sunday for someone that was lost. My mom had asked me one day if I would go to lunch 
And um, we had went to the Bay Vista Motel. Um, this, the hurricane kind of tore it up now, that same motel. There was a seafood restaurant out in the front. And she had set a lunch up for us to meet there. And I, of course, said, I'll go, you know, um, what could it hurt? And so I had went, and I sat across the table from, um, from the pastor, and his name was Robbie Gallaty. And we sat there, and um, my mother, she introduced us, and then she didn't say another word, I, I think, that whole time. I believe that she was just on her knees at that table, praying that I would hear something, that I would hear just that one word. You know, and so Robbie shared with me a little bit, but at the end of the day, he didn't do hardly any talking. He did a bunch of listening. He let me talk about all the wrongs. He let me talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And he just smiled, and he would sit there and try to relate in certain ways. But again, he just wanted to hear and get to know me, and I think that was important. About an hour passed by, and we was, we was walking out the restaurant, and he asked if he could pray for me. And we was in the parking lot. I remember that prayer, and it was pretty precise, you know, and he ended it with this, that if I was ever in a place where I had nowhere to go, nowhere else to turn, that I'd look towards Jesus Christ, because he could answer that for me. I left that restaurant and ran even harder. I ran as hard as I could. A few months after that, I found myself in a lot of trouble. I was growing some marijuana, and the um, police had found it. You know, I remember... (laughs) My mama called me and she said, hey, there's a problem. And I was like, I'm not going over there, you know. <laughs> and uh, I laugh about it now and it's really not that funny, you know. Um, but um, I had also been running with the wrong crowd and we had broken some cars and stole some stuff. And that was really out of, out of character for me because I never really was a thief. I wasn't raised that way. My father, you know, I should, he taught me you don't take anything, you know, you pay for everything you get. And so, but again, this is years and years of a drug addiction coming to a head and finding my place in some of the lowest places. And um, I ended up going to jail. And I was, I had broke probation because I had just got arrested a few months prior to that um, for a misdemeanor charge. And so I was on probation. And so I broke probation. And if you break probation and you go to jail, the way the system works is you don't get to get out unless they give you a court hearing. They don't give you a bond. And so I knew I was in real trouble, and I found myself lonely, scared, nowhere else to go, no one to turn to, because it didn't matter who I called, they couldn't come get me. And I found myself right where the pastor had shared with me. All kind of questions. Who would raise my son because my girlfriend was pregnant? Who, who, would, who would take care of this? Who would, who, all these questions I found myself in. So... It was the middle of the day, and I hit my knees. And I remember crying out to God and pleading with him, Lord, if you get me out of here, making that deal, right? If you get me out of here, I will go to church. And it sounds silly to say that today, but it was that real deal. And I'm, some of you have made, might have made that deal with God. You know, bargain. You do this for me, and I'll do this for you. But he has the whole plan. He knows what he's doing. He, he, he's just giggling up there. And I, can, I can just imagine some of the angels, like, you hear him? You hear him? You know, just giggling, you know, uh, this guy. Listen to this guy, you know. And so uh, I made that deal. But guess what? You know, I went to my arraignment, and I was supposed to get a, a court date. And when I was sitting in that arraignment in that room, and there was a bunch of us convicts sitting around, and they called my name across that loudspeaker, and that judge told me that I could bail out for $600. And I was shocked. 
because I knew the deal I made and I knew there was no way of getting out of there. And so I didn't hesitate. I called my girlfriend at the time and said, hey, don't, in case they made a mistake, you come tonight. And so she did and got me out of jail. And, and um, I went home and, and I sat there, but I sat there knowing that I made a deal with a person I was raised to know. And it wasn't going to be taken lightly because he was going to follow me. So... July 9th, 2006. I walked through some double doors similar to that in Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I sat next to my mother on a Sunday morning. (laughs) She was not as excited as I thought, and I say that in a way to just know that I hurt my family. Many, many times. I used God and baptism to get myself out of trouble. Many, many times. And I'm ashamed to say that. But God. But God. I figured she figured it was just another time I was going to do that. But I knew, I knew that I knew that this time was different. I white knuckled that pew for an hour. But I knew a deal was made. But I, at that time, I had come to church, right? Come to church. Through that sermon, it was a gospel message. And Brother Robbie was preaching. And he said some things. And I knew that that wasn't a deal to get me to church. <laughs> that a decision had to be made. Son, I got you out. Are you going to surrender your life to me? So I walked down that aisle at the end of that service and I couldn't say much to Pastor Robbie but all I could do is just <laughs> see that 6'6 six, six man holding him arms out smiling, you know. And uh, he grabbed me and he said, repeat this after me. Say it to the Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I repeated those words and I said that to God and I cried out. And man, was I ever saved. The whole church broke out in joy. I mean, it was a picture of the prodigal son coming home. <laughs> it wasn't, there was somebody not so excited. And I don't want to keep putting her on the spot. but That gave me fire. That gave me fire to prove to her that your prayers were heard. Your many, many years of prayers were heard. And some of you may have even been there. You know, Brother Gerald Richard sitting back there, he played a long part of my life, you know. And uh, so I'd love to say that it was all peachy. (laughs) But it wasn't because I had done some wrong and I had to go pay the piper. You know, I remember sitting in the courtroom, sitting next to my father and sitting next to my lawyer, But again, with God too this time, and it's different. And that judge said, hey, this sentence carries a 12 years. And man, my heart dropped. 12 years. You know, 
Well, he said, but. He said, son, if you go through a drug rehabilitation program called drug court, sanctioned, free, or not getting in a lot of trouble, not quite sanctioned free, but as long as you honor the program, I'll drop all your charges to a misdemeanor charge. And I knew again, God showed up. (laughs) Right? And so I sat there bewildered, but I had, again, some fire, something to prove. And so I left there, and um, I went through that program sanction-free. I'd love to say and proud to say that I'm still drug-free to this day. About a year later, Pastor Robbie approached me in the church, and he asked me to meet with him and a few guys, and one of the other guys. Here's Jason Galloway, and another brother of ours, Jody Blaylock, if you've met him before. And um, he asked us if we'd want to meet with him, sit around each week, devour the Word of God, memorize it, eat some food. We called it Hot Dogs in Jesus, and um, hold each other accountable. It was a discipleship group, something I had never heard of before in my life. But I said, yeah. Again, God was doing things and making decisions for me that I maybe didn't even know how to make at the time because he was preparing me for something. It was in that time that those guys would become some of my best friends. They've been through the trenches with me. Robbie sometimes would challenge us when we go out to eat to share our faith. He'd say, share your story. I mean, we'd be sitting there in a way, Joyce would walk up and he would say, how you doing, ma'am? Oh, Julie? Your name Julie? My friend Jesse wants to tell you something. And I mean, boop, there it was. Don't back out. <laughs> and so, uh, man, I would just squirt hell with a water pistol, right? Like, <laughs> I would try and give it the best I could. And, um, man, it was that point in my life that God was teaching me how to live missional. That it don't matter what soil is beneath your feet. You have a mission. Amen. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. And that verse is the story of my life. God saved me from the clutches of Satan. From myself. From a world that was trying to grab me. Acts 26, 18, Jesus tells the Apostle Paul, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes. So that they may turn from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I read that and I listen to God talking to me. I saved you from your people. Right? But I still want you to tell them about it. We should want to give everyone that chance to be redeemed. I'm so thankful that Robbie and many other servants and witnesses that were obedient to take the time and share the good news to me. 
We never know when those seeds will take root and we have a part to play in this mission. It still amazes me that God would use us broken vessels, inadequate human beings, to share his gospel. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news. God uses us. And if that don't fire you up, Brother Steve says all the time, if that don't fire you up, I don't know what will. The one and only true God wants to give us the part in his plan. How cool is that? His words are clear for the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. People will die and go to hell if they don't repent. If they don't know to come to know the Jesus that we know. And if we don't share. It's more, we always say you talk, talk, and you walk, talks, but you walk, talks louder than you talk, talks. You still got to talk, talk. (laughs) Right? You still have to talk, talk. And if they can't hear because they're deaf, there's sign language. There's a language for that. If they can't see, there's touch. There's a language for that. There's a way. There's a way. That should bother us. To think that people will die and go to hell. And in eternal losses, a separation from God. That should work on us. We should all understand we have an obligation. But it's also a privilege. Is also a privilege. For 16 years of my Christian life, I worked in a shipyard called Basin Fleeting. 20 years in total. I worked my way up from a tank cleaner roustabout to the supervisor of marine repairs. During that time, I had many encounters with loss from drug addicts all the way to people who are just good. It didn't take me long to realize that I was in my Jerusalem. I didn't preach to anyone. I would just love on them. I would give them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And some people would say, why do you hire that guy again? Because somebody hired me again. Because somebody gave me another chance. You know, I tried to never take it personal, although sometimes I would. But I would just say that they're rejecting God. I spent many of those years working on that shipyard with my brother. And together I would say that um, we tried to do the best we could to glorify God over there. Everyone that we came in contact knew that we were different because we tried to live that life. But we would also share with them anytime we could. And I can remember a few times sitting in the truck in the middle of Basin Fleet parking lot reading Romans 10.9 to some of our employees and watching their lives be changed. I don't know where any, most of them are today. I haven't worked there in a little while. But I know that those seeds were planted. And I know that some were saved. I also know that a lot of people, even though they rejected God, they never, there was always a point, at some point, that they came to us and said, would you pray for me? My, my wife is this, or my kid is this, or my, my grandma's sick. Whatever Very thankful that they could see hope in us. And that's the hope of Jesus Christ. 
Hmm. Yep. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ms. Sylvia shared that earlier. We were in our Jerusalem and we realized that. You guys are in your Jerusalem. I hope you see that. At the grocery store, at work, outside the doors, in jiu-jitsu, Whatever, wherever, God will give you the opportunity if you're asking. If you're asking. In 2011, I met the woman of my dreams. Five years being a believer. I had a son, five years old. I was serving at Nichols BCM, and uh, there was a service called Merge. Brother Tim LaFleur was the pastor at the time, and I was under his discipleship. And I would drive to Thibodeau every, every Wednesday night, and I would, uh, whatever. We would wet the floors in the back with tears, praying for the students who would come and hear the word that night, to, to serving dinner for people, to, to out evangelizing, to whatever it may be. Place one night, saw my wife, and uh, I love at first sight, right? Six months later, we were married. Here we are, still married today. Been serving the Lord together for many years. I say that to say this that on our honeymoon, we chose to not do a normal honeymoon, we chose to go on a mission trip together. We went to Uganda, Africa. And served in a, in, a, in a city called Emberada. Hot, dusty, dirty, mosquitoes, all of the above. Not your ideal place to go on a honeymoon, right? But we were serving the Lord and we didn't care. We, we, we had that passion for the lost, right? It was Matthew 9, um, 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We wanted to be counted as the few. And so we went on that mission trip and we would serve apart all day. All day. And we'd come together at night and they blessed their hearts. I love them. They had got us a honeymoon suite. <laughs> and it was, it was like just a little bigger with a little extra room and it had a mosquito cover over the, net, over the bed, you know. And they got that for us and I, I think about that, but they were... They were just trying to do anything they could to bless us. And so we would sit in that honeymoon suite at night and we would hold hands and we would pray and talk. And we would just, just share in the joy unspeakable about what God was doing in our lives. My wife would go and serve these people here and I'd go serve these guys here and I would share my testimony or this, that, and the other. And we knew from that point on, at some point, we were going to share our life doing this somehow. It wasn't long after 
we come home, and I, I knew that at Emmanuel Baptist Church that we didn't, we always gave to Lottie Moon, we gave to um, Annie Armstrong. We did these things, but we didn't go. And so I'm asking my pastor, why are we not going? And Robbie had left at the time, and there was another pastor there, David Terrio. And I'm asking him why we don't go. He's like, why don't you go? So I connected with some people I knew, and I began to be discipled again and discipled in foreign missions. And I learned by doing Philip Rankin studies. Maybe you've heard of Philip Rankin, Philip, Phyllis Rankin. And I, I began to bring that back to our church. And um, my wife had served in Dominican Republic at, at, with the Nichols BCM while she was serving over there. And Brother Tim LaFleur has said, hey, why don't you think about this location? It'd be a good start for your church. And so in 2013, me, Jen Dragna, and... Um, Mom, you went on that trip? Yep, my mom and quite a few other people. We packed our stuff and took off to Dominican Republic. And uh, we served. And I, look, I saw something that week that um, just blessed me. Just blessed me. I seen Emmanuel Baptist Church come together as a church and do something they had never done before. And it brought joy to be able to share the gospel to be able to share with this people. So they came back and do that. We did that from 2013 until this November. It was our last trip, but not the last one. It was just the last one that we went on. And um, I had went this time, but not as a, not as a leader. I had led every other trip. Someone else led this trip. And um, she did a great job. But this trip, I was different. I, was by, I, I wanted to go and serve. Um, and not think about the logistics. And I did that, but God began to hammer me again. Speak to me in that audible voice, that loud emotional experience that, Jesse, you told me in 2011, 12, actually the beginning of 12, that you wanted to do this. And you wanted to do this with your family. Now's the time. And so I didn't say anything to anybody. I was just serving and I was standing on top of the church. Um, it's kind of a loft area like that, but it's not for anything musical. It's up there. It's a loft area and that area is there for storage. And so we're cleaning some things down and the pastor uh, over the ministry, Gary Hill, was standing up there and he says, son, or Jesse, he's like, I don't know if you know this, but we have a real need for a person with your talents down here. Have you been praying about it? And I broke Brother, you just don't even know what God is doing to me right now. Uh, I could feel it in my bones, you know. Jeremiah 29, you know, uh, if I cease to speak, if I try to hold it in, it become a fire in my bones. It should not prevail, right? That it'll come out. And I was sharing that with him, and he said, Brother, 20 years ago, God used that verse to call me to Dominican Republic. And I was again... I see you, God. You know, I'm nobody special. Nobody special. Just trying to put my yes on the table. Say, God, anyway, anyhow, tell me who. I'll tell him. You know, there's a quote by an old pastor that says, um, God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the call. 
When I tried to look up who said that, they had many different people that said that. So I wasn't sure. So I just go with it. I didn't make it up. (laughs) Um, And God has been equipping us over and over again. So I want to share a little bit about the DR Vision. The DR Vision is a ministry down in the Dominican Republic. And it's been down there for 20 years. And uh, it was a, started off as a church plant, and now they have a nucleus church, their main hub, and they have planted two other churches, and a third one's in the works. They have a sports ministry. Baseball's a big thing in Dominican Republic. If you knew you were baseball fans, you would know that. And also they have a school, Las Palmas. I can show you pictures one day if you ever want to spend some time, pick up one of my business cards and, and give me a buzz. I'd love to sit with you and share about it. Um, my wife is sitting in a little bitty old room with about 12 kids, and that was the school in 2011. Today, there's a school of 500 with a waiting list. There's missionary teachers in there from America that teach in English, and they speak English. They teach that subject. The other half of the day, the teachers teach, the Spanish teachers, because you have to have a certain percentage of locals in there. They teach in Spanish, and they teach certain subjects. So the kids are being taught bilingual from all the way from like two years old all the way up to high school. And so they're graduating with, one, biblical knowledge. Two, with a real um, chance to be able to work and do things in their country. And so we are proud to say um, that our kids will be able to attend that. Something that we saw built from the ground floor up. There's a missionary. Um, she's a missionary now because she came to the United States. But she graduated from that school. And she's going to college here in the United States to further her degree. And she is going to serve that school. Going to go back. There's pictures of my wife reading to her in English. When she was just a little bitty old girl. And she and loves serving the Lord. Loves serving the Lord. Las Palmas. Oh, there's a mercy ministry. If you're familiar with Dominican Republic, prostitution's legal. And so, it's sad, but there's some people that think that's okay. And so there's a ministry out of this church and what they do. Now, when we say prostitution, we can call it that, but some, some of them women just call it a resource. A way to family they don't go there and they don't do that you know two dollars a day maybe making money so it's a and so I heard but when we're down there we see people we see people we see people who are hurting and who've been taught a wrong so that Ministry is a ministry that they make jewelry and they teach them how to either they do they do different trades they teach them how to do how to make money and be a dignified person you know to the creation that you have been created you have a purpose and it's not that um, we have seen some of these women come to know the Lord. And serve the church. They're cooking in the church. They're smiling because when we first were hard and mean. 
So there's a ministry called the Murphy Ministry, and that's a ministry of my wife loves being crafty. She likes to make things, and she can tie some pretty cool knots with some uh, different types of rope, and she, she's made these things and sold them for money on the side. But uh, she wants to go down there and teach we do. Be a part of my son Caleb. And they said they they don't know what they exactly want to do, but they're gonna figure. You know, Caleb. Caleb loves the Lord, and, and he's sharing gospel with kids at school. He's sharing, he's he's asking them for things they can pray for at school here, and so I'm just excited to see. So I'm really excited to see what his part is. There. I'm going to take my 20 plus years in the shipyard and bring that down there and work in projects they have and things like that. Um, things like that. There's a guy who's he's, he's 70 now and he's been doing that down there for like 13 years. Well, he told me, he's like, brother, I can't get to the top of that. And so um, I want to go get to the top of that ladder for that man and help him continue that legacy that he's left down there. Um, another thing that we're going to do down there is open up our homes. We're going to um, we're going to invite people over, and I love to cook. And when I got down there, I seen they didn't cook with flour, so I got to help, <laughs> right? I got to burn some flour with these guys and teach them how to make a roux. And I, I really, I really want to do that and, and teach them our culture and learn their culture. But by doing that, use that as a platform to share the love of Christ. To share with them on what did in you know, help connect them to the church, help help them to be a part of this body. You know, you guys said you were a family when I walked in. I couldn't imagine doing life without my church family. The same as I can't imagine when I get down there doing doing ministry without knowing that I have a an extension of people that are back here praying for me. And that's part of my purpose here. I want to invite you guys to pray for us. I left some information back there. Heck, I, I would love to see you guys come down and serve as a church one day. It would be beautiful. I know that on those trips that we went on, those, those short-term mission trips, is what God used we have a purpose. And it don't matter what color the soil is beneath your feet. You need a bloom where you're planted. Right. You need a bloom. And so we know our family is being called to share the good news with the people of Dominican Republic. We also know that we don't always don't have all the answers or know the entire plan. But we know this. And you could say we. I'm going to say I. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who saved me and gave himself for me. We put our faith in Jesus. He does want to use us and you. And he is guiding our steps. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this awesome time that I could just share who you are.
and what you can do. I was hopeless, Lord. I had no hope. But God, you showed up and you saved me from the clutches of Satan and you've done that to many people in this room. Lord, help us see that we have a mission. That we have a ministry to be a part of. That we don't need to ask you what is your will for our life. It's clear. Tell people about you. Tell them about your son, Jesus Christ, and tell them what he died for. Lord, I pray that everyone here would know their purpose. I pray that everyone here would be challenged, God, to go out and tell their neighbor to be unashamed, Lord. They have the power, the power that you told them they have in that Holy Spirit in Acts 1. Thank you for tonight. I thank you for Brother Tracy giving me this opportunity. I thank you for First Baptist listening, God. And I thank you for those who are online listening, Lord. I pray that um, they would be challenged to share. To share what you did in their life and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.